Hello, this is Siri, and you're listening to my favorite podcast, Not Real Art. I live for this shit because it's totally lit. Welcome to Not Real Art, series' favorite creative culture podcast. I'm your host, Sourdough. And today I'm joined with my dear, dear old friend, the one and only Kristen Jewell. <laughs> Hello, Scott. Hey, Kristen. The sourdough thing is just so funny. You like that? <laughs> I do. Yeah? Yeah, that's my first question for you. <laughs> oh, oh, I see. You're flipping the script here and interviewing me. How clever of you. <laughs> How sourdough. unexpected. <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. Well, you know, I wrote a sourdough cookbook. Oh, oh, that's right. Yeah, remember that? So it's just very simple. <laughs> well, well, it's it's not. I mean, it is at face value. I hear you. The but the, the executive summary of this <laughs> because, Ooh. Ooh, because we're going we, there because we have the because we have like limited time. Yes, as you recall, because mm-hmm. I knew we we go back. Yes, I lived for an extended period in the Arctic. Yes, in the Canadian oh, uh, bush, right? And so I use sourdough a lot there. But the backstory there is that in Alaska, during the gold rush, as uh, the folks from the lower 48 went into Alaska to seek out their fortune during the gold rush, Mm -hmm. those men and women who managed to survive, who managed to live, you know, in the bush for more than one season, multiple seasons, uh, they became known as sourdoughs. Oh, I didn't know that. A little bit of uh, Hmm. Alaskan folklore history for you there. Hmm. So... Hence the name. And sourdough. Uh-huh. Okay, good. Because I was worried that maybe you were the sour version <laughs> oh, I'm of sour, the Pillsbury right? Doughboy. <laughs> I'm sour. Oh, my God. And I'm doughy, too. Yeah. Yeah, yeah. Oh, yes. Yes. Oh. More of me to love. More of me to love. You'd you you, you, you to knew be... me 30 pounds ago. Oh, oh I... <laughs> that's right. You were the triathlete. Yeah, at that point, that? I, was, yeah. I was in good shape. I just remember, I remember Chani and I standing at the finish line, but I remember standing at the starting line of right. the LA try, yeah, right? And yeah. you were like running. I turned to you and I was like, please don't do this. <laughs> please don't go in. Please don't please die. Don't, don't do this. Well, you that know, was the year I think the I surf said, was horrendous. It was horrible. Yeah. I remember because it was like six foot wall. Right. And I was like, you have nothing to prove. <laughs> You were really worried. We love you. Yeah, and you're yeah. so sweet. I was like, this is... I was like, oh, she does care. <laughs> I do care. But I was like, I'm supposed to be working this event. Like, this is like, I'm like, I can't leave him. He's going to have to swim a mile. <laughs> well, and by the way, they seriously considered canceling the swim. I remember. It was really bad that day. Yeah. I remember. A, I have an epic photo of the wall of, of that was water coming in Scott. and the swimmers kind of wading in just, you know. I just, the, I, we, I think, you, what were you like, fifth? Like you, there were like they were stations, like how people would go into yeah, it. Different, I mean, uh, yeah, yeah. Phases and I just looked at. I was like, I don't. Of... You don't need to do this. You have nothing to prove. <laughs> like we know you've done this far. You've gone yes, this far. Yes, You're good. Yes, yes. yes. <laughs> and then the finish line was so exuberant, and I was like, this is amazing. Yes, so well. you're a beast. So well, you know, was maybe once a beast. <laughs> oh, you could, uh, but you, you know, it. here here hey. we are. It is so good. To see you. Oh, no, me too. We you should do this every day. You know you're one of my favorite day. people. Oh. You know this, right? <laughs> right back at you. Yeah. You were my work husband. We like, were. We were I was work. like, yeah. The- <laughs> people were saying, just get married already. <laughs> or or get get divorced sometimes. <laughs> yes, that's right. That's right. That's right. We got to separate you two. There's a lot of tension going on over here. <laughs> it was good times, though. Those were good times. That was really, I, for a period of time. <laughs> for a period of time. For a period of time. But, you know, the, on balance. Yes. I definitely look back on those years yeah. with delight. Yeah. And gratitude. Oh, a thousand percent. Yeah. yeah. It was a game changer on every level just to have 
consistency for a couple of years, you know, for many years, actually being able to really learn how to infiltrate a system from within. Yep. I mean, we, we did stuff that I, people still can't believe right. like, Ooh, you did these things and the art program, the music programs, the nutrition programs, all the things that we were able to do. And I feel like, I don't know. I just feel like at least every day it felt like we were doing something good within a construct of something that people thought was really hundred percent, hundred percent. And you know, for our listeners benefit. Oh yeah. Yeah. So the unsexy uh, part of this. Yeah, <laughs> Kristen and I were core members of the sort of internal agency that was responsible for operationalizing the brand strategy at Kaiser Permanente from say 2005. I think you were there at 2005. Mm-hmm. I think I joined in 2006, six, six or mm-hmm. seven. And then we were there until what? 2013. 2013, yeah. And that was a very big change for us. And I was happy. I mean, you know. You know, I just missed my, you know, 60 days of PTO or whatever. (laughs) Right? That payout was crazy. Because, I mean, who took it anyway? That was the best. Like, for me, I was like, that helped me. Honestly, that helped me jumpstart everything I was that I'm doing now. Yeah. Well, let's talk about that. You, my friend. So one of the things that I so love and respect about you is that from day one that I've known you, I've known you all these years, like you were always very clear about your passion for music, your love for music. And when, and I think this is an important lesson for listeners out there who haven't yet had to face the pink slip, the ax, Mm -hmm. you know, you, you, you have a a job you might love or, and, and might be well compensated for, or that, you know, it's, it's a cushy job or it's an exciting job. And then all of a sudden the ax falls and you're done. A lot of people might, you know, they might find that to be, and well, it is stressful and, and depressing and all this, but you took those lemons and made lemonade because you said, you know what, fuck it. I'm going to double down on my passion. Yeah. I'm going to pursue music. Yeah, that's exactly right. And that day was, I remember we saw it coming and it wasn't even so much like an axe. It was like this, how can this, this can't sustain this way? It doesn't, it's just not necessary anymore. And I think we all felt like we, you know, you do your job so well as a brand person and a strategist. Eventually, you're, you know, you're supposed to teach people how to make them experts at being a brand person, too. Yep. So that's the that's where that was coming from. It really was like a smart move. And I did not see myself having a career there. Like it was, a, yeah, yeah. A, you know, and my career prior to that had been so eclectic yep. and always in either advertising or marketing, but right. like innovation oriented. I mean, I did. I was involved in an Internet company in 1995. Which one? Cow Interactive, that okay. doesn't exist. It yeah. went belly up while we were there, but we were doing intranets for Disney, intranet yeah, right. for Disney, the <laughs> timeline for the Mercedes portal online, yeah. and the first licensing, interactive licensing module for Disney's use of the six primary characters. Mm-hmm. And this was all done online, yeah. and while also building out websites and gaming things and all that stuff. And I was like, this is fascinating. And everyone thought I was nuts, like literally certifiably nuts because the internet hadn't even taken off. And we yeah. were doing like stuff in ad agencies at the time that were like, you'd floppy disks, you'd have to send 10 of them out to someone <laughs> to put it in. You know, it was like silly stuff, but man, I loved it. I yeah. felt so exhilarated. Just the stuff didn't exist before right. we worked on it. Well, it's in, incredible. Yeah. And, and part of what I'm recalling is I'm listening to you talk. It's like prior to KP, I mean, those of us who come from the agency side, mm-hmm. you know, ad agencies, yep. marketing and branding, what have you, design. It was about a two-year turn. Like usually yeah. you would be at a place for about two years and then you'd yeah. bounce around like that was a joke. I'll be here two years and I'll go because yeah. that was how you would get promoted or make yeah. more money or whatever. And then I don't know about you, but when I landed at KP at Kaiser Permanente, 
uh, I thought I'll be there two years. I was like, oh, I'll be here two years and and I'm out, you mm-hmm. know? And I was there like seven years. Yeah, yeah. exactly. I did eight. Yeah. And and I remember, I don't know if I'm even allowed to say this, but like, I mean, I, I wanted to quit before I started. I am allowed to say this because it's a long time ago. <laughs> Whatever. Gone, I'm yeah. an adult. <laughs> I called, I, call, I think I talked to Debbie and I was like, I don't think this is right for me. It was for, like I had told them they'd have to wait until I finished my TiVo contract. So I was right. working with TiVo at yep. the time up in Alviso. And Where's doing, TiVo these days? I know. Oh, but what a right? great brand. And what, I mean, think about, anyway, don't even get me started because that, <laughs> anyway, so I, so I finished that contract and I, anyway, again, I, I think I went and got married and then I started Kaiser. So I made them wait six months. Yeah. And I remember being like four months into it. I was like, yeah, I don't know about this. Cause I, ex- I attended an offsite and I said, Debbie, I was like, I might not be this person. Right. And she was like, okay. So they, they basically said, finish the first year and see how it goes. Yeah. You know? And I was like, okay. And then it lasted that year and then it was like seven more. So by the time they said, you know, we don't really need this position anymore and we're going to like, you know, you can go to other parts of the company. And I was like, I'm so good. Yeah, right. (laughs) I'm like, good, I'm out. I'm ready. Yeah. Yeah. And I do remember being like positive, like really positive. And it just felt like if I don't do this now, because all those years before I kept, you know, meeting with MCA records and had a woman named Jane Simon who genuinely changed my life. Like just even oh, so. having a conversation with her because I realized that I could help music. I could help at that point. It was in the nineties, 1998, yeah. 99. And she was like, I believe in everything you're doing. We just don't have the money to do the stuff you're doing. Cause right. in advertising, you have, you know, billions of dollars you can spend on media and a million dollar campaign here. And, you know, she was like, I don't have that kind of money for you. And I was like, that's fine. We'll figure something out. But like even the like at the time, I remember she had me come in and help her with Lyle Lovett's strategy for his one of his releases. Mm-hmm. And I was like, oh, this is great. So I did all this market research, came back to her with the plan. And I said, you know, I mean, I still have it. It's so funny. I should I like I have this the very first Mac laptop. Oh, you know, like boy. The, yeah. Yeah. The, the one that cost a million dollars. That yeah. was awesome. I opened it, it up so a couple, cool. like yeah. a year ago or whatever. Yeah. It still works. And I still have the plan on it. Like that was what I wrote it on. Yeah, and right. it is amazing to read because- it's like it all, a work of art. Yeah, now. it really is. Yeah. I mean, if I say so myself, well, it's pretty well, dope. Well, but, I'm saying like, <laughs> yeah. one, you've got- It the, is a work the, of art. Obviously the plan is a work of art. We know yeah. this about you. Yeah. But then to the fact that it's still on this computer, like it's, it's another it's factor of the work of art. Yeah. So you read it and you're like, okay, that at that time, I remember reading, it was like 27, people spent $27 a month on music, you know? 27 bucks. Turns out Lyle Lovett's audience is a slightly affluent one. Yeah, I remember right. that happening. So I was like, oh, let's, let's, but they're also down to earth. And I remember thinking, what are the brands yeah. that you would want to partner with? Yep. And I brought in like Wrangler as an idea mm-hmm. and uh, Jeep because yep. I was like, well, look, they do these campfire series. Why totally. don't we bring Wrangler in? Let's do like a, you know, a, like a, simulcast like a like a webcast yep. like he does a concert series locally goes out to the woods with these guys does an acoustic version and that's taped and then broadcast for yep. just for jeep yep. people and he they were like we love this how much is this gonna cost yeah. and again it's the 90s the internet wasn't there right but i was like this this silly visionary of like i want to do things this way <laughs> so right. they were like this is great we can't afford you. We'll have to figure something out. And then I took the call from Cliff Freeman and Partners mm-hmm. and I moved to New York. Mm-hmm. Cliff had done uh, Wendy's Where's the Beef. Yeah. He wrote Sometimes You Feel Like a Nut, Legend. Sometimes You Don't. Yeah. And I, I sat with him and I remember he had it. He's the funniest man I think I've ever met. Right. Genuinely the sweetest, funniest guy from Memphis. 
think he's from Memphis or the South, maybe Santa Fe, but he's like a Southern guy, mm -hmm. super nice. And just had like wall of cliffisms and stuff that everybody adhered to. And he was just like, he's a legend. And he sat in the interview and was just like tapping his baseball bat. Well, he's a big baseball fan on the floor the whole time. And I looked at him and I was like, is this an intimidation tactic? Because it's working. <laughs> like, I'm frightened of you. It's official. I'm intimidated. Yeah. You can stop Anyway, now. and he hired me to come in and do his new business. Right. And I moved to New York and I was like, this is everything I've ever wanted or so I thought. Yeah. And it turns out I actually really like, you know, you go through all of these places and you're like, I still want to grow and evolve. And Cliff was like, I like TV, you know? So I was bringing in like the dot coms and yeah. You know, they, he was like, that's so cute that they've got like, you know, a couple million, 13 million to spend or whatever. And I'm like, I mean, I know it's small, but like they're going to do it's the future. creative. Yeah. yeah. So we were always like, I think we, I was always trying to like reestablish and reinvent things. And by the time I got to Kaiser, I was just like, I think it's time for me to figure out how to do like what I really want to be doing yeah. and go back to those moments like what I had with Jane, where I was able to talk with her about stuff, even though the role didn't work out for me then. I was like, this is the stuff I want to be doing. And right. it, that carried me. It's, what is it, 2019? And 1999, that's, what, 20 years ago? Shit. And it still resonates with me today. Right, right. But I, I don't want to live with regret, so I don't know that feeling. So I was like, well, let's take it. Let's do it. And, you know, I gave myself six months. It's a fucking high wire act, man. I mean, you didn't, you know, you didn't have a safety net. You just like, mm -hmm. you know, high wire. It's, it's you or nothing betting mm -hmm. on yourself. Yeah. Yeah. You gave yourself six months. Six what were the metrics by which you said, okay, in six months, I'll know yeah. whether or not I get another six months? Like, yeah. Good question. Yeah. Yeah. I think that in the beginning, I was like, I just want to, I want to do something in music. And actually, I was really fortunate that my friend Carissa Bianchi, who was the president of Shiat Day at the time in Los Angeles and Venice, she was like, I want to, she was a big supporter. She still is. She's a great girl. One wonderful woman. And uh, she was like, oh, you should meet with all these people. So she introduced me to, you know, people on the client side that mm. she worked with, like the Grammys and whatever. And, you know, there wasn't a good fit. But through that process, I was like, you know, every time I came around, someone was like, you should really manage artists. Right. And I was like, oh, I don't know about that yeah. because they talk back. Products and services <laughs> don't. <laughs> they but, talk yeah. back. They, Boy, do they. They talk back. And I was like, you know, oh. People say to me over the years, uh, working with visual artists yeah. primarily, people say, oh, so you manage artists. I'm like, oh, hell no. Artists yeah. are immanage They're unmanageable. They're unmanageable. Yeah. <laughs> it <laughs> turns so out. I'm not trying to manage them. You can them. do it. Yeah. But I was like, nah, I don't think so. And then, uh, and then I decided, you know, I met Hamish and. Shout out Hamish. Yeah. Hamish Anderson. He's yeah. amazing. I met him and it was really funny because like, so th th there was a period of time, you know, and I mean, I will be very honest. Like mm. I, I was personally involved in a, you know, a, a friendship with an artist who I watched Gary Clark Jr. Mm, oh yeah. Who's fucking love a Gary. legend. Shout out Gary. He's amazing. I watched ass. his career just flourish while I knew him. And I was like, I was so, I don't know. You go from being a fan to just, you want him to succeed so badly because right. he deserves it yeah, on every right. level. Worked his ass off. And yeah. someone like him, you just think, all right, I, if you can, if you can, if you can, it's lightning in a bottle for him, right? If you can have a tenth of what he has, you yeah. still have an incredible career. Yep. You know what I mean? Right. Like, right. you don't have to have the Gary Clark Jr. career to have that. But, you know, once you see that happen to someone you know, and I had seen it happen with uh, John Popper, was a friend of mine from college. Mm -hmm. uh, he didn't go to NYU, but he was around doing like 
the club circuit in New York at that time and popping. And so it was, um, blue, was it Blues Traveler? And it was um, Spin Doctors and Joan mm-hmm. Osborne and the, everybody was doing stuff then. Yeah. And it was great. So I saw them rise meteorically. Mm-hmm. And I was like, whoa, that's crazy. Like someone you just hang out with is yeah. actually doing Bam. incredible yeah. things. Blow up. And then I saw, um, I saw Gary go through it. And I was like, this can be replicated in certain respects yeah. without a label. Right. Because having a label is amazing. But I was like, this, you know, there are artists out there who can do these things with a little budget. And that's when I was like, I think, you know, Gary has been an inspiration to me for so for so long. And it was, you know, he came to see Hamish play just, you know, with me as a friend. I wasn't managing Hamish at the time. And I just, you know, had had him come by. He said, sure. I said, if you want to blow some 22 year old kids mind from Australia, you know, show up at 7 p.m. at Rockwood. And he did which is amazing. And then he really liked it and, you know, started talking about it every once in a while. And like we were at the Grammy museum and he's like talking about some 22 year old kid from Australia and how they can talk about Stevie Ray Vaughan together. And I was like, that's, that's Hamish. (laughs) Like that's crazy. That's magic. Yeah. It was beautiful. And I think because of that, you know, it really made me feel like, you know, I, I know you can't really, you know, I'm not going to say, Hey Gary, do this or whatever. He doesn't, he's not that guy. He does what he wants to do. Right. The fact that he did it on his own made me feel like it's it's important to keep fostering a sense of community and a and a hundred percent and all of that. And I think he knows he Gary knows stuff like that. Like he knows how to do that. And he's re reinvigorating this incredible community in Austin now, which you yep. know is it's he's owned Antones and he's bringing all of that back to life. So it's wonderful to see. And I feel like what I've been able to do with Hamish and even Ruby Vell. And the Sulfonics is a direct result of watching his career and and yeah. watching and learning how he, you know, navigated things and and not necessarily, you know, always easy, frankly. You know what I mean? But he well, makes but isn't it look that, easy. Yeah, yeah, right. But I mean, we were talking about that the other day, actually, on another podcast. It's like, but isn't that the myth, right? The myth is that, oh, it, it can be easy or it should be easy or, or if I just do these things, it's going to grease the skids for me. No, yeah. it's fucking There's hard no work. There's no silver bullet. There's no, There's silver, no bullet. silver bullet. There's no shortcut. No. no. And that is the biggest learning of all. Yeah. And also, you know, I do think if you put your time in, people will respect you. Even if you don't make it like all the way you thought you were going to make right. it. You know, like that's the thing about like, what does success really look like? And I think it definitely evolves. You know, that's mm-hmm. my favorite word is evolving. It's my tattoo. I was going to ask you about yeah. that. That's, yeah. that's new, right? It's, when did you yeah. get that? Actually, I had Mark Mahoney do it right when I left uh, Kaiser. Interesting. A couple months I later, like it was that. June. It's a great message evolving. Yeah. And it yeah. reminds me every day, like I have to let go and just, if, it's a bigger power. It's a higher power. It's, it's whatever you want to call it. Yeah. But it feels like, you know, for, for me to think I can prescribe, you know, and make this happen and as a person on my own, it's impossible. Yeah. It's impossible. And yeah. that was probably the biggest learning that first year was, you know, like I said, making a decision to manage someone, you know, is a, it's a lifelong, in my mind, mm-hmm. a lifelong endeavor. I don't, I don't see it being like a short-term thing. And someone like Hamish and Ruby, you know, they have very long-term careers. Right. Right? I see Hamish being 50 yeah, totally. on stage, yeah, you know, yeah, yeah. or 50 years now. These are not one-hit No. And it takes time. It takes time to build those catalogs. Right. right. And you have, and you know, that's what's missing in today's world is that sense of development. Right. Giving an artist time. When when, when we have things like Slice, right, we can just go and download some, you know, bullshit and contrive some bullshit. I mean, the artists that you work with are real artists. They're real artists. Yeah. They really are. They're handcrafting. And look, I don't, 
you know, I'm not taking away from some of these other yeah. folks that, no, you know, know how to work a computer and can composite yeah. things together and create yeah. something. Great. You're an artist too. But mm -hmm. I'm talking about, you know, musicians with real musicianship who can play instruments, write songs, and, you know, they have chops, you yeah. know, real musical chops. Yeah. And that's and your artist too. Thank you. And I think that's the reason why I'm, I'm so proud and so grateful that I get to partner with them. Like, right. that's the piece that, you know, when we were doing the work we were doing at Kaiser, it's like we had a sense of pride and we did have a sense of partnership and our team was really tight because yep. of that yep. and like a family. And I, I wanted that was so important for me to make sure when I when I built my own environment for these these people, I want them to feel like they have a team yeah. that is also their family. Right. And that's genuinely the way we've built out everybody who's worked on the business, too. Like I, we have just three tenets of the business of Jewel Concepts. What are they? Passion. Yep. Proactive. Yep. And transparent. Yeah. And I mean, these are things that like if you as an artist have a question about what's going on, you have all of the tools, you have all of the communications, you have every everything you need to know is in front of you. And the team communication is there for you to see too. Mm -hmm. So it's all very transparent. And I don't think anyone has time to wait for someone to come to them to no. do something. Right. So proactive is yep. the name of the game yep. every day. Yep. Don't wait, just make it happen. Yep. Figure it out and tell me how it goes. And then the passion piece fuels you because like we talked about when we walked in, it's like, who wants to do this without it? You know what That's I mean? Right. At this point- It's too hard. Uh, it's too hard to do it if you don't have passion for it. Mm -mm. It's impossible. Yeah. Especially right. when it's your money. Right. Right. <laughs> and your time. That's right. And your time is getting, you know, less and less on the planet now because, yep. you know, I mean- By the way, to to that point, when I turned 40, I doubled my rates. Yeah. I'm like, you know what? I have less time. Yeah. It's more valuable. Maybe more expensive it. now. Yeah. yeah. I'm hella expensive. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. It's crazy. And I'm going to, my birthday's, next month and Happy i'll be on birthday, tour girl. oh yeah i know thank you I'm so excited and it's in this this just shows you how full circle this is i we're going to be on tour with gary clark jr hamish well, is going to be opening how crazy is that and on my birthday we'll be traveling between shows and i'm like this is the best this is going to be the best birthday that's the universe smiling yeah. on you my yeah. friend i know i'm really happy for him yeah i'm happy for him like i'm happy for both of them yes. I, you know just yes. like I don't know. Like you can't I'll be happy for you. You'd be happy for you too. Yeah, like, it's thank pretty you. Freaking thank awesome. you. Yeah. But this is like so nice to watch people, you know, achieve Connect and, and, really and achieve. achieve. Yeah, yeah. yeah, yeah, yeah. Like that's the thing. Like they're together and yeah. they're both. I know. And I, I know Hamish is, he's so looking forward to it, but when also do they play LA. Do they play LA? I mean, Hamish, well, I don't know. I know Hamish does, He'll, but I mean, are the, 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 the tour. It's only the tour for Australia. Okay. Like, Hamish it. is from Australia. So right, we, right, right. we went that. Yeah, yeah, yeah. But I mean, you know, who knows maybe if we do well. Okay. Well. <laughs> Not yet. Chances of me getting to Australia <laughs> during that tour. That, you should you know, come. Uh, I know I should. I know I it's should. It's going to be fun. <laughs> and, they, you know, it's just, I've, I've watched Gary, you know, hundreds of times and I've seen Hamish yeah. equally as many, probably oh, a lot more actually. Yeah, at this point. And yeah, just feel like, I don't know, I couldn't be more proud. But I want to drill down because Hamish was your first artist, no? Mm -hmm. There was an artist that I worked with before and I think that they were better suited as producers, but Hamish is the first artist that like I really got to A&R and, right. and work with and help introduce and really re revamp what was being done. He mm -hmm. had a manager before. And I think we just kind of realized like there was a bit more of a fit with my background. Right. Yeah. So, but, you know, to use our corporate parlance, uh, to drill down and unpack mm -hmm. what you saw in Hamish, right? Because here you are. I mean, you're taking a big risk. You're betting on yourself. You're giving yourself a time limit. Yet, you know, this is your passion. Um, but yet you also saw something in Hamish that 
connected with you in a compelling way that you felt like, okay, this is a smart bet. Explain that to me. Like, I mean, I've, yeah. I mean, I know I've listened to his music. He's an incredibly talented guy. Yeah. Like I get that, yeah. but I mean, but really the nuance of it, like what yeah. was it that resonated with you so strongly? Oh, about I, Hamish? I remember <laughs> there was a night. So Hamish's music is very, it's blues based, yeah, but it's rock and roll, right. you know, but it's also singer songwriter and mm -hmm. folk and Americana. Mm -hmm. And there's all these pieces to it yeah. that I was like, oh, all right, this, there's so many pieces to it. I was like, I, I'm trying to figure out who you are. And we saw him at Hotel Cafe one night and, um, and I, I was like, okay, he's really, really good. And the very last song he did was a song called My Sweetheart You. And when you see a guitarist, you know, basically sing with his guitar, not shred, but sing, mm -hmm. like literally mm -hmm. it was beautiful. Yeah. I was like, that, that's when I, I get it. You mm -hmm. know, I'm a person who grew up, you know, I love David Bowie. Yeah. I, I, I love all sorts of types of music. One of my favorite bands growing up was Def Leppard. Right. You know, I, mean, I really like, like just good sounds. Yeah. But I also feel like when somebody can master their instrument and do something like that, that's, takes restraint yeah, right. as well sure. as talent because he's not filling in all the notes. Right. He wasn't like, you know, doing scales and you know what I mean? Yeah. But it was tasteful. And it, I was like, how old is this guy? Right. 22. Like I thought, well, that's, that's the thing that I. Sophisticated beyond his years. Really. really right. Like a, just an old soul. Yeah. Right. And then we were hanging out one night and I mean, remember like I, he's 20 years younger than I am. So, you know, you don't necessarily expect to have deep conversations sometimes because you know i mean right. it, I, I mean i don't know i just don't know like you yeah. don't know what people are capable of and then he started talking about stuff and i was like oh my god i'm learning i'm learning things about right. the blues yeah that i didn't know like right. peter green being the original lead singer of fleetwood mac and being the original you know what i mean like those yeah. things and i thought he's teaching me something right that's important too yeah, it's a 100%. reciprocity you know i'm not just here that for he me. has something to teach you is yeah. And then Remarkable. I was like, you're 22. You should be telling the world this stuff because to me, the history of where we've been right. informs where we're going. Yep. And in a good way, someone like he can educate people about, hey, by the way, this stuff has existed before and it was killer then. Mm -hmm. So I felt like he's a person who, if you, can, if you can get him to that next level, he could be very informative for people. And then, and then I think the next part for me was more like, you know, he's so attuned with the world around him that I like one time we were speaking it and uh, I remember he was explaining to me how he watches cause he can't hear a lot on stage. You know, okay. it's, sometimes it's very hard to hear on yeah, stage. Right. And uh, when he can't hear, he told me that you would turn around and look at the kick drum, you know, so that he could tell the beat of the drummer if mm -hmm. he can't hear something. Mm -hmm. And I remember just getting tears in my eyes. Mm. And I know it sounds really silly, but I thought I feel he, like that makes so much sense to me. And at that moment, I thought everything that I had watched over the 25 years of like my adult life at that point in business, I was like, I want to put it behind a person like that who has a sense of how to get through difficult situations, right? how to keep going. <laughs> like right, he perseveres. Sure. Right. You know, a lot of people do buckle when they can't hear something. They're like, I can't hear, you know, whatever. But he's solving but he it in real time. It. Yeah, yeah, he's yeah, scrappy. Yeah, yeah. yeah. And I was like, I could do, I can get behind that. So I don't right. know. I feel like there's something about a partner in a uh, an artist that you're working with that you just want to know they can. Yes, they can. They can help you get to that next level together. You know, it's it's funny because I've said I've talked about this in different ways in different contexts because one of the ways uh, you know I talk about it, it's like 
you know, if I'm doing business with somebody or if I'm doing a project with someone, if I want to collaborate, you know, I want to know that that person doesn't flinch mm. when it gets tough, mm-hmm. right? Yeah. Because this shit's going to get tough. Yes, if totally. you're trying to do yeah. something new and fresh and interesting and, and innovative or disruptive, it's going to yeah. get tough. Yeah. And God damn it, you know, yeah. like do not flinch, yeah. you know, because yeah. I, I, I enjoy the struggle. I enjoy yes. the, the danger, yeah. you know? Yeah, me too. And I need to know the person next to me mm-hmm. is Ride or uh, in die. there. Yeah, exactly. Yeah, I'm with you. Honestly, look, it gets really hard. I, I'll, you know, I'll be, you know, like even working with Ruby, I think she has been, you know, she is so talented, so incredibly talented, but it's hard for people to transition. And we've had to transition her from being in a, a band for 13 years to being a solo artist as well. Right. And that has been, you know, it's like you, you, you have to be there for them to make sure that they understand that they're capable. They're right. more than capable. That when you see them, you see things in yourself that you never see. Right. Like that's where I'm like the biggest strength. And again, having artists like this is your belief in them helps them believe in themselves too. You know what I mean? And rest the right back at me. Like there are times where I'm like, oh my God, I don't know if I got, I don't know if I got this. Yeah. 100%. <laughs> I don't know if I got this. No, and they're absolutely. like, no, you got this. And I'm like, okay, good. The, uh, with their support, I can get through things too. So, right. but you're absolutely right. We have to, people need to be able to know that they can adapt and be malleable in these situations. And it, it does take a bit of coaching. Hundred percent, and you know, having those people that are complementary, right? Mm -hmm. Because I mean, you want some overlap, right? You know, like I mean, yeah, sure, you want people cross-trained in a way that makes sense, right, for the product productivity of the organization. But I also don't want somebody that has my same skill set. I want somebody that's complementary, right? So it's it's supposed to be a one plus one equals three kind of you know deal. And uh, you know what I love about what you're doing is that these artists need you as much as you need them. Oh yeah. Well, I'd have nothing if it, to market if it weren't for them. Well, and so maybe they that. wouldn't have uh, <laughs> as much success in the market if they didn't have I you. I mean, I like to think that that's very, I mean, it, I think it depends on, you know, how willing they are to partner. You know what I mean? Well, and, that, but that's the, that's yeah, it. Yeah, that's, for sure. You if know. you're going into something and you're bucking the system and you're saying, you know what, I don't really want to do it that way. And I don't really want to do it that way. And I don't, I don't have time for this. It's like, well, you know, you get out of something what you put into it, right? Yep. So yep. if you're not going to put anything in, yep. it's going to be a challenge for you to get anything out. Yep. And no matter how talented you are, people just might not respond to it. So you do want to try and go above and beyond. And I think my artists are really, you know, like I said, I, I think each one of them are classically oriented in yep. the case where, you know, if they want to try something else, they can still come back to who they are. You know what I mean? So it's not right. that complicated, but but it does, you know, it does require them feeling confident in themselves too. Right. You know? And right. that's a big part of it's, you know, one of the things that I think is something that I've been very lucky because, you know, Jessica, Ruby, and Hamish all come with great families, you know, people who love them, family. Some of them have husbands and they're just, they're so grounded. Yeah. So grounded that that's there's huge. no, yeah. And there's no bullshit. Right. You know what I mean? Like right. we are not like, it doesn't have to be like that. Yeah. And I'm not like here to fluff and gaff, right, you know, right. make them, you know, but I am, but we're real. Like we're all real with each other. And that's why I feel like it's a family. Cause you can actually be honest. Like, you know, I'm not on edge, yeah. you know, if it works, sometimes it doesn't work, you know, and we can still have that conversation about what worked, what didn't work. And people know that we give our all and our, we all are doing our best. 
That's literally all of us are doing our best. Yeah, right. So, you know, I'm very lucky, but I also think, you know, we've, we've, we've walked away from artists who have had inauthentic natures about them. Mm -hmm. And to be honest with you, no amount of money is going to make me feel good about working with someone that in particular who might be, you know, somewhat narcissistic or have higher expectations than, you know, what they're a part of. It's hard enough in the best of circumstances, yeah. let alone working yeah. with some asshole yeah. who's a pain yeah. in your ass yeah. and, you know, is high maintenance. No high maintenance, please. I don't want to do it. You know? I mean, to a certain extent, like I'm even like a potential diva some days, you know, I'm like, I can't do it this way, you yeah, know, whatever. Right, but right. like, it's up to me to change it. Yeah. Like it's, that's it. It's all, it's, nobody's going to do this for me. Nobody. Like even the team that I have, they, they are crushing it and they're doing such great work for us. For every all the artists, like everybody's, you know, this my team is incredible. But shout I, out to your team. Who's yeah. on your team? We got Lauren, we got Ella, we got Lee, we got Jenna. We've got, I mean, like, and Jordan does radio for us. I mean, it was just like so. I'm so honored. You know, Emily is doing our PR for Hamish, and we've got another Emily in Australia and Fiona. We've got all these pe- beautiful, amazing Fantastic. people in Switzerland. They're helping us with the booking agent agency there and the PR company, and you know, so we've got we've got a global team, yeah, which is great. But I also think, you know, I have to, you know, it's like, this is where the vision starts. You know what I mean? And Mm -hmm. it comes directly from the artist. Right. And then it comes like the artist, the mind meld into, to, you know, usually me. And then we kind of like figure out what that looks like. And then we bring in people and we're like, okay, here's what we want to achieve. Mm -hmm. And then build out the plan and make it happen. And it is kind of where, you, you know, even having these 25 years of before this, you know, doing all of the advertising and marketing stuff that we were doing, it really helps because it's second nature to me to get in and out of an integrated campaign. A hundred percent. And, you know, it's, um, you've hit on so many things. I, I want to try to, Sorry. no, no, it's, it's wonderful because, you know, one thing you were getting at and I was having this conversation, which by the way, I missed you at our conference the other day. I, I thought know. you were coming through. I didn't know I was invited. Oh my God. I thought we were texting on the I thing. I said, know. are you coming? I would have totally loved to You come. were on the VIP list. Like I your was? Name? Yes. Oh God, I'm an asshole. Just follow up oh, next time. I'm I'll so let you. sorry. You should that's, always the, assume. that's the hardest you should, part. You just need to assume you're always welcome. Oh, okay. okay just, I would, then I'm totally, yeah, next, next time. Year. I'm right, coming. Right. I'm coming. It was a great conference. So we were talking about oh, this at the conference the other, the other day. And, um, and, you know, I was saying about artists, it's like, cause yes, I mean, some artists, have insecurities, their, you know, anxiety, whatever. And, you know, what I always try to say to artists is I encourage them to hopefully embrace the reality that they have this very unique power in the world. Mm -hmm. They are real life magicians. Yeah. They can create something out of nothing. Yes. And that is a superpower. Yeah, it really is a superpower. And as soon as you can be, uh, you know, conscious Mm -hmm. of that ability and own that ability, uh, that will help, I think, I hope, Mm -hmm. mitigate some of that insecurity because, you know, you are truly unique and special in the world and you only have, only you have that particular ability. Mm -hmm. And so, you know, so I try to encourage, you know, artists in that way to, to embrace that power that they have. Okay, that's great. The other thing that we talked about was the fact that, you know, arguably this is the best time in history uh, to be an artist. Oh, I right? can agree more. Right. Yeah. And for all the obvious reasons, more opportunities, more mediums, more materials, more, you know, uh, you know, tools, more, mm-hmm. you know, however, and this gets back to why I'm, you know, so grateful that for your artist's sake that they have you mm. is because if you're an artist today and you're an independent artist and you're on your own 
when it comes to marketing and branding and promotion and, you know, yeah. and the, the conventional wisdom is that, oh, well, you know, this is huge. This is great. You have the power. You can be, you can create your fate. You can, you know, you don't need the labels. You don't need the, right? Okay. But truth of the matter is the devil's in the details, right? Totally. Like the reality is, yes, on one hand, it is perhaps the best time in history to be an artist in part because you have the power to go directly to customers and consumers via the web, via whatever. However, the reality is, um, you know, marketing and branding is more difficult than ever. Yeah. Fragmented. Fragmented. Mm. And, yeah. you know, the average is a fun fact. You might know this or listeners may not. The average uh, tenure for a CMO at a publicly traded company these days is 19 months. I was going to say 13, but yeah. yeah okay. I mean, 19. Maybe yeah. it's 13. Yeah, now. This is, uh, <laughs> I read this last year. Yeah. And I mean, okay, so I'm guessing that the CMO at this publicly traded company, maybe he's an MBA, maybe he went to some fancy business school, whatever, or she. Yeah. And by the way, if they can't do it, yeah. what fucking chance right. does an artist have mm. who's supposed to be making art? Yeah. Right. Exactly. You know, to be a not, successful digital marketer. Yeah. Because no. th that's what, you know, it's, it's its own art form. It really is. And it's, it's so funny. Like you, you could spend, oh my gosh. I mean, when you think about building a, a, an integrated campaign, you know, just each touch point, like out of home versus radio versus if you're going to do like wild postings or if you're going to do, you know, digital marketing or if you can do social media marketing or well, like activations, whatever. That's a silo that's a whole that people become experts in yep. on their own, yep. you know, to oversee and design all of that on a frugal budget and understand what's performing and what's moving the needle. You know, like those questions, like people don't ask that stuff. They're like, no, I'm just going to do these boosted yeah. things. Okay, cool. Does it move the needle immediately? No. If you last with it, it does. And by the way, you know, the people who are turning out, you know, like are churning out the CMOs, I mean, shame on them too, because I do feel like it takes time. Yes. It Wall takes Street's time. A motherfucker. Yeah, yeah. It takes time for things to get into a groove. For, yeah. And it really takes time for your team to gel. Yeah. And, you know, I mean, again, as leaderships, we've been in leadership roles. Like mm -hmm. it's, you know, it is not. It is not for the faint of heart. You got to be really careful what you're doing when you're doing it on your own and you have people who have like their whole livelihood at stake right, right now. Right. Like that. No pressure, you know, like yeah. no pressure. But like, yeah, of course, everybody wants to see things change fast. Yeah. It does, it's you have to manage expectations and you have to know what you're like. What are you looking at for success? What are what That's are the tells there? Hundred you know? percent, and you know, and and it goes back also. Sorry, yeah. The overlay to all of that is mindset. You're either grateful because you have the opportunity to talk to these people, or you're frustrated because nobody's paying attention. Right. And you know, we've been really lucky because everyone's practicing that sense of gratitude. Like I, when you get a fan, you're like, oh my god, I have this relationship build with someone you know and there are people like ruby jessica and hamish they're really good at that mm -hmm. and i think that's important to recognize that they're like they don't even call it fans that they're just like these are my people right so they have like you know that sense of like i'm so grateful so here's a funny story so my friend lisa ludwig's dad mr ludwig started ludwig drums right oh, wow yeah so back in chicago right and so he would tell, well, I never met him, but Lisa, I knew. Yeah. And Lisa used to tell these stories about how in the seventies, you know, Ludwig drums, you know, sponsored these big parties and, mm -hmm. you know, at, mm -hmm. you know, there would literally be a silver platter filled with cocaine, but that yeah. the cocaine was embossed with the Ludwig logo. <laughs> 
Is that's that insane. Like classic? That's insane. <laughs> I'm not surprised. I hear stories like, you know, the 70s. I don't know. I've never done cooking, but I do. I hear I hear that there's lots of patterns that can be done with it. <laughs> <laughs> I don't like cocaine. I just like the way it smells. <laughs> oh, God. You're Sorry. such an 80s, Not that I know anything about baby. it. But boy, is my sinus <laughs> fucked. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, but I, I really, you know, and that's another, that is a big factor of this too. It's like yeah. going into the music industry as an external person, because I was technically, yeah. even though we did all the music campaigns with Kaiser, yeah. you know, I think people didn't necessarily know where I was coming from. Right. And I just wanted it to be a business. Like I just wanted this to be like, a, you know, a structured. At its core, you're yeah. building brands. Yeah. That's what That's you're doing. Exactly. Each of these artists yeah. are brands yeah. and you're helping them market and promote their yeah. brands. Yeah. And that's brand with a capital B and it's yeah. not a dirty word. It's a beautiful fucking it's a thing. Word. It's a great idea. Yeah. Yeah. And there's no shame in the game, you know, mm-hmm. when it comes to this. And that's again, and I don't, you know, it, what I, yeah. I mean, you know, it's it's it is. They're they're grateful to have you. What so who who are the artists on your roster right now? Because I know you've got Hamish, you got Ruby. Yeah. Who, talk about your artists. So we've got so Hamish Anderson is a blues rock artist from Australia, mm-hmm. and we have what Ruby. part of Australia. He's from Melbourne. Got it, from Melbourne. Okay, yeah, and uh, yeah, he's a great kid and works very hard. And then we've got the other one that came in, Ruby Vell and the mm-hmm. Soulphonics. Mm-hmm. So I was a fan. They're great. They're great. Yeah, fan, fan, fan of theirs. Like yeah. I was buying their seven inches. Back in 2010 at Fat Beats mm-hmm. when I was DJing, and I was like, I need a Soul 45s, and they were like, you got to check out this woman from Atlanta, Ruby Vell, and I was like, okay, so I bought it, and I was like, whoa. And then 2012, she put out her, they put out their first album, and I was, I bought it for everybody. I was like, this is amazing, oh, wow. this is amazing, gifts, gifts. amazing. Nice. It's yeah. amazing. It's still like a great album. And then actually, I think I was telling. This is another ironic moment where. I, but I was telling Gary about it and he was like, girl, she opened up for me in Atlanta. And I was like, of course she did. Yeah, right. And then I was telling Gary's drummer, Johnny, about it. And he was like, uh, girl, I was her original drummer. I was like, what? In Gainesville, Florida. And I was like, what are the odds? That, like, yeah. what are the odds? So Johnny introduced me to them. And honestly, Ruby and Ruby's one of my best friends. Like, she's just like amazing. And obviously, so is Hamish and so is Jessica. And so then the third one is Jessica Childress. She's an L.A. based artist and she was on The Voice and she was picked by Usher and she was, you know, doing really well and everything. And I think she just wanted some help with some stuff. So we we went and released an album mm-hmm. last year. Mm-hmm. And now we've got her writing with a bunch of companies and companies and stuff like that. And she's writing her new album, which I believe is going to be more stripped back and like gospel like, you know. Ruby's actually working on her solo material now mm-hmm. too. Mm-hmm. So it's been wonderful to and Hamish's new album is coming out. So we released Hamish's album in 2016 and uh, we had released an EP in 2014 for him. So and now we have the next album coming out in May. So I'm very excited for that and Jessica's album came out last year. Ruby's album came out last year with the Sulfonics. Yeah. And uh, so we've just been releasing albums which is great and kind of an anomaly in today's world because everyone's so single driven well and we're so stream based yeah i mean you know like what i what i appreciate about what you're doing and you've been so generous to bring these amazing gifts today this you know incredible art you know arts pieces uh, of art music (laughs) cds uh vinyl uh t-shirt guys i'm i'm uh I'm, uh, it's an embarrassment of riches over here with gifts. <laughs> but what I appreciate about this is that it's making, you know, these artists uh, and their work tangible. You know, we're living in a str- uh, streaming world. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Uh, you and I are, of course, you know, old enough uh, or of a generation, right. Gen X, that, yeah. you know, we grew up on records and cassettes. Yeah. And then we saw the transition to the CDs, CDs. And now we've seen the transition to yeah. streaming. Yeah. We probably grew up on eight tracks. 
Oh, yeah. Started with eight tracks. I mean, oh, yeah, 70s. Like, yeah, yeah, yeah. Well, we had them. <laughs> you know, and, you know, it, part of, and this gets back to the other conversation about how it's great to be an artist these days and maybe not so great because, you know, is there, in a world of streaming, and also, of course, on streaming, you know, thanks Napster, right? Because, right. you know, like it killed the comp for artists in many ways, uh, streaming. It's because it becomes, music becomes like air. Yeah. You breathe it. It's available. It's like a faucet, you know, water. You turn it on, you turn it off. You know, I, but I'll, you know, I'm speaking for myself. Listen, I fully confess as, as I stream music, unless I have intentionally chosen to listen to Foo Fighters on Pandora or Coltrane on Pandora or whatever. Mm -hmm. Okay, fine. I know, I know what I'm listening to, but if I'm streaming, you know, some thing on Spotify or some thing on Apple music uh, radio or whatever, I mean, there's a, or even KCRW, mm -hmm. uh, eclectic, uh, mm -hmm. 24. 24. If I'm a lot of times I'm listening to it, it's like, I'm enjoying the music, but I don't know who the artist is. Right. I don't know. It's not tangible to me. Right. Right. It's very and passive, passive listening. It's a very, yes. Mm -hmm. And, and what, and I miss the album. I miss mm -hmm. the tangible aspects yeah. of the music yeah. and enjoying that in, in the artwork. Oh my right? God. Yeah. yeah. And, and you are investing. Yeah. In product. Yeah. You're investing in um in vinyl and CDs and of yeah. course you merch. But the but yeah, I mean yeah. kudos to that. Yeah. And I think that's I mean, the reason why I wanted to share those with you especially was because I think, you know, we got we get to work with great artists yep. that are a reflection of the sonic art that they're doing. You know what I mean? So yep. and in some cases, like in Ruby's case, she also designs and she's an incredible designer. So she's a done her designer. Yeah. Yeah. Oh, right so on. she Didn't did her that. She did her first album cover. She did that vinyl of the seven inch that that's her Super art. Super cool. It's beautiful. Yeah. I mean, everything about it was just like, she's just so tasteful and uh, anyway, disciplinary. She's incredible. Yeah. She's incredible. And, you know, we, we worked with on Hamish's packaging. We got to work with Kai Ahrens, who I was mentioning this before, mm -hmm. but like he is the, on the right. trouble yeah. art. Yeah. He's the one who, when I first got involved in this business, I wrote him an email and just told him how much I loved his his work because he, you know, he did some like Radiohead when they did the Fonda show. Like he's, he's just some incredible iconic pieces. And, you know, I just wrote him a note and just said, I would love to be a part of anything that you're doing if you'd be open to working on any of the artists I work with. So he got involved with Hamish. And then unfortunately he's, well, fortunately for him, he's working with We Are Here Now. So he's been involved with Linda Perry and everyone says time got really limited. So we had to find another artist to do Hamish's second album. And that one was a really funny one because we got to, we were exploring people and there was this artist who worked with Dan Auerbach and both Hamish and I were like, absolutely love this guy. Yeah. And believe me, that is a really hard thing to find one artist who both of you like. 100%. I mean, oh, yeah. it's, it's like, right. it's a, again, it's like a marriage. You just have to like right. figure out the nuances of each yeah, other. And, and like, it goes where also are we going? back to the fact that, you know, there are 20 years between you. Yeah. Oh, there's that <laughs> too. I mean? Yeah, like, exactly. Yeah. I know. And I keep forgetting that because he just seems so right. much more mature. Right. But well, and you're a young, you're and young I am heart. a child. You're yeah, I'm heart. a teenager. Yeah. <laughs> you both are. But hey, yeah, hey, thanks so much. But yeah, so we meet in the middle. But yeah, we found this guy, Perry Shaw out of Philadelphia. Shout out to Perry. Because, I mean, he, like, in, a, I think, a week had just nailed it, like, completely nailed it. And he hand-created that piece of art, and that's going to be vinyl yeah. um, as well. So, you know, we've just had a wonderful time experiencing great artists coming to the table and helping to interpret, like I said, that sound. And, you know, it's forever. Like, you know, I'm proud to say that these pieces exist in the Library of Congress because 
even though you don't have to send them the, you know, I want them there for the artist's sake. Yeah, they should be there. Yep. It's a great, you know, posterity. History. It's important. And I do think, you know, what you as a brand strategist, we believe in like a tenure approach, right? This is something that you'll look back on. And I, you know, I want them to be like, I'm proud of that. You know, Trouble is probably going to be a classic album, like a classic rock album mm-hmm, in mm-hmm, its time. Mm-hmm. And I'm hoping the same thing for this new one, like out of my head. I think it's an incredibly diverse sound. It's like we, you know, when he built it out, it was like the sense of the white album, you know, something that was just like everything you could imagine sonically in one album. So I was like, okay, cool. This is like, it's a departure for him to do a soul song sometimes, but soul is part of blues. So the album art is a pure reflection of just this new sound and a new endeavor for him. So that was like, you know, the just an interesting process alone going through how to express your work in art, yeah. you know, with an artist, with the an external artist, right. <laughs> you know, right. but it's been fun. And sometimes it's more, you know, sometimes it's easier than others. Like Ruby's, I definitely think, you know, we started her album cover art with Methane, mm-hmm. uh, which is out of Atlanta. And actually that was a person who she had taken classes with to learn graphic design. And then she took their original artwork and kind of flesh it out to the rest of the like packaging and stuff. Mm-hmm. So, you know, she's been very, um, she's so fluid. She's great. And you, I mean, her work is really fun and, yeah. and uh, she's an activist too. So Did uh, not know. a lot what, of, what are her uh, causes? What is she? Well, she's on the board of the girls rock camp of Atlanta right and the dream warrior foundation. So lots of mentoring. I mean, both her and I are big believers in mentorship yeah. is, you know, I mean, it's, the team that I have working for us, they're, you know, great young people. And, you know, my hope is that they learn as much as they can. And, you know, the reason for that transparency that I talked about is because, you know, I want them to have context for what they're doing. And, you know, Ruby agrees with me. Like there's, there's nothing worse than being in an environment where you're siloed and you're not informed as we all remember yep. those days yep. where it's something just comes down as a mandate, but you don't understand what you're doing and you just do it. That, that feeling that I had all those years when I worked with people who didn't share information resonated so much with me. And I thought I'll never, ever, I never want to be responsible for those feelings for right. people. Yeah. I'm remembering, I'm listening to you. I'm remembering a time years ago, I'm not going to name names, but I showed up at the office early mm-hmm. and there were three partners in this company, okay, two of whom were in overseas and one was in Chicago. Okay. And they were doing a, a performance review of this one uh, key member of the organization. And that key member was in our studio, right? So it was, it was I was head of business development. Uh, this particular individual was like lead designer, you know. And then the principal was talking to his other two partners in, you know, Europe, giving a performance review of this guy. Now I had been there for the whole time. Like I watched mm. how important this person was to the success of the organization. Right? And I walk in as I'm, and I'm overhearing the review that our boss is giving his two partners, right? And he's totally throwing him under the bus. He's not giving him the credit he deserves. Mm. Right. And the point what I'm saying is the getting back to transparency, you know, like transparency is so key because, you know, I want that honest uh, communication. If somebody's not performing Mm -hmm. to your expectation, you Mm -hmm. need, they need to know that in real time. Oh yeah. You know? Yeah. But I also feel like, you know, I think that the, for me, for sure, there's that piece of it where you guide them and, you know, 
I like to set people up for success. Yes. I literally have had this conversation so many times because, you know, when you, when you're, when I'm in my twenties in, in advertising, in my thirties in the brand strategy world client side, you know, I have seen 35 more than 35 different business models. So, you know, once you know how business goes, like structurally, you're yeah. like, okay, you can put me in any situation and I will figure this out. Yep. I will figure it out within three weeks. Yep. I can determine how things work. When the human spirit gets involved and, you know, we've had to manage, you know, you as well, you know, people in their 20s, 30s and beyond. Yep. And I feel like when the human spirit gets involved, you know, the best way you can approach it is through guidance and nurturing so that you set them up for success where everyone understands what their role is and what they're about. And when you're, you know, when you're not being set up for success, yep. you know, that feeling that's where everyone loses. Right. Everyone loses. Right. And for me, I'm like, that is not, it's not an option here at all. And, you know, again, being in advertising, it's so volatile. Like, you know, you would lose businesses. Like, I mean, I remember walking in to somebody's office and I had gotten a call on a Sunday night from our client. And I was, he was like, look, you guys are a big company. You keep giving us media buys that are basically, you know, leveraging off of your biggest brand in spot market buys. We are an internet company. We right. want diversity. Yeah. And that company was not set up for those buys. So I went in the next day and I was like, hey, I got this call. This is probably going to happen this week. And the president was like, why didn't, why, why are you wh like, what are you doing? And I was like, well, I'm telling you that for nine months, I met with our media department. We weren't getting what we needed. I was explaining yeah. this to them, but we don't have the capabilities. And again, this was the nineties. The internet was kind of I, people just did not think it was really going to last. Right. I mean, it's amazing yeah. to think right, I know. 20 years later and we're still having yeah. this conversation. But right. back then, you know, people were like, what the fuck are you doing? Yeah. And meaning like, just figure it out. And I'm like, there is no way you can tell a media buying team who are leveraging television how to figure out how to do internet yeah. interactive. Like yeah. it, it's just a completely different buying mindset. It's just a different Animal. Everything. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah, yeah. So there was this, this oversimplification at that time. And right. I thought, oh, yeah, you're not getting this at all. So and you, they should leave. Yeah. They should they should resign you, you know, as a company. So in your organization, how do you set up? Give, give me an example of how you set up your team for success. Yeah, it's well, I, we have weekly meetings. Yeah. We, we have we have three times a week we meet mm -hmm. together and in di different variations mm -hmm. of things. The start off Monday morning, mm -hmm. everybody's like, it's like a quarterbacking meeting. Like yep. what's got to happen this week? What yep. are the priorities? Wednesday is an all day in, you know, together. So we try and right. do everything we can together. Anybody who's in a, in Los Angeles. And then, uh, you know, I think the biggest thing is that every day we're like, this is what's happening. And here's, what are your priorities today? So the best thing I could do is tell them what's on my plate so that they know what's probably going to hit them in a few days. Mm -hmm. And then they can modulate accordingly. The structure is, you know, it's me, you know, once the artist and I have figured things out, right. then, you know, we go into budget, we go into the timing, the timeline phase. I bring in Lauren who works with us on project management and tries to, you know, kind of figure out organizationally how we're going to handle things. And then we go into the T actual team dynamics. And when, you know, it's digital marketing, it goes to one person. When it's PR, it goes to another person. You know, so depending on what we're trying to build out. Right. And then that team comes together and we bring in all of the external partners and we figure out an actual timeline to launch. Yeah. It sounds like a lot, but really when you're planning for an album, you need to do it that right. way. 
And, you know, that's the most important part is that the timeline is addressed first. And then from there, everybody has to kick in with exactly what, you know, is expected of them. And right. to be straight up, like Asana is my best friend. <laughs> There's this project management tool called yeah. Asana yeah. and I live and die by it. And I always say, like, if it I've doesn't get it, on. I haven't used it. I've wondered about it. When you're dealing with so many different moving pieces, yeah, yeah, it's yeah, just yeah. the only way. Oh, cool. And it's an what archiving tool. What other tools do you like? So with people, you know, globally, mm -hmm. um, communication is key. Are you using Everything. Slack? Slack. Are you using, Slack. okay. Yeah. yeah, we use Slack and we use a lot of like FaceTiming. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And uh, yeah, I mean, it's definitely Slack because it's an archiving tool as well. Right. right. And then Dropbox and Google Drive, right. you know, those are really pretty much mandatories. But I would say like, you know, again, the creation of the plan, mm -hmm. it's Excel. It's, mm -hmm. you know, it's like the basics. You know, it's funny because like we, we like to think of ourselves as advancing, but the reality is it's the same process we've been doing for 20 years. Right. It's just, you know, whether or not we use a computer. The, the, the tools change. Yeah, the tools, the tools change. change. Exactly. And, and if the process is flawed, mm -hmm. the tools aren't going to matter. No, it won't. And but I do say Asana and Slack are... You know, they're really godsends for small businesses yeah. who just are nimble, you right. know, and it is kind of weird to think how much time we used to spend doing goals and all those things at the big companies. And mm -hmm. like I, I used to say like a third of my time was spent, you know, aligning goal, you know, whether or not this is success and writing goals and reviewing. And uh, now I'm just like, you know. I want them to succeed in whatever it takes. We right. work remotely. Right. People have great lives. You know, I love the fact that people will support our artists naturally and organically. But I also feel like, you know, I'm probably going to be the most, you know, gung ho cheerleader of all of them. So, yeah. no, you know, it is what it is. That's who I am. I made right. that decision a long time ago. I really, really want to build a family environment so people feel comfortable and like they're you know, contributing. So, right. so their success is really, you know, the work-life balance is important. You know, yeah. right now, Lauren is in, I think she's in Lisbon, Portugal, mm -hmm. working remotely there because mm -hmm. she just has a wanderlust in her 20s. And I'm like, you should do this. Like, it's great. Is it hard? Yeah, I'm about to go to Australia to do this tour. I'm like freaked out that like nobody's really, you know, on the ground. But, we're, you know, Ella and Lee are here and it's good. It's, you know, it's all going to be fine. It's, yeah. all, you know, but again, it's a work-life balance. We need, you know, I'm overdue for time off. That is probably the one thing that this year is, you know, it's probably gonna be the last time where I go full throttle. I need, I need to take some time well, you've for always myself. been a workaholic. Hi. <laughs> and in the best way, because you love what yes, you do and you I always do. have. Yeah. yeah. But I also feel like, you know, like my dad has a house in Mexico, which I feel is just rejuvenating to mm -hmm. me to be yeah. down. And that's easy to get to. Yeah, from LA. it's 10 hours. It's just, oh, I, yeah. his, his timing and my timing this yeah. year is off, but you know, I usually spend my birthday there and right. that's like my favorite right. place to not be. This year. Yeah, not this year. But I mean, it is my favorite place to be. It's like, I love being with my family. Yeah. Like, I love it. I feel like, you know, you when you're with your parents, you know, my, my mom passed away in 1988. So it's been, you know, years and decades of my life just like wondering like, oh, I wonder what she would have thought of my life. And I, I think she'd be very proud to know that I'm working in music because yeah. she I learned my love of music from her. But also having my father here, you know, it just makes, I want to make sure he's okay, you know, too. Cause I mean, it's, he's in Florida, it's, they're getting older and I just, I love them. I love because I get to regress to being a teenager with them. Yeah. Good or bad. Yeah. Right. <laughs> <laughs> and sometimes it's very bad, yeah. <laughs> but yeah. And he and my aunt and my stepmother, they're, they're all, they're wonderful people and I, right. I adore them. So I'm very blessed, but I don't get to see them often. So you're, you really are like an Island, you know, sometimes you're just like, Oh, I have to do this by myself, but I'll, I'm going to highlight moments. You know, they did come to the BB King show when Hamish opened for BB King mm -hmm. and it was Hamish's parents were there too. 
And it was the first time you know, I remember just my dad being like, okay, I, cause up until that point they were like, get a job, right. get a job. What are you doing? You can't, this is ridiculous. You can't, this what? is life or death. You're mm-hmm. going to die. They were just like, I'm like, but I have three jobs. Yeah. <laughs> like, I was like, what are you talking about? <laughs> and I was like, come to the show and you'll see. And then they came and it, it forever changed them. Cause right. they were like, I get it. Like Hamish got a standing ovation that night. Like it was like, Oh my God, this again, 23 year old kid at that point, just, you know, watching his, maybe he was still 22, watching his dreams come, he was 23, watching his dreams start to come true. Yeah. And my dad was like, all right. I'm like, don't ever ask me about the job thing again. And he's like, when did uh, Hamish start playing? How old was he? 12. Yeah. Just a 12. prodigy. 12. Well, yeah. he works very hard at yeah, it. Yeah. Well, I don't mean to imply it yeah. comes easy. I'm just saying. It isn't like, easy, but he's definitely gifted. Yeah. 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 yeah, yeah. It's, and I mean, I've played guitar since I was six i mm, think mm. i am not good at it <laughs> i'm a very good rhythm guitarist your strengths are elsewhere <laughs> yeah no but i mean I, I played french horn for eight years right. i that's I was, no joke no i know french horn I mean, is no joke eight years man. and i also your embouchure is quite something was really good i'm very good i have a very strong lip <laughs> lips uh <laughs> yes yes you have two lips, lips. yeah <laughs> they um that's funny just a flashback moment but i also played mellophone i played um because marching band yeah. which makes you very hearty yeah, you know okay. and it was yeah. funny there was like a point in time where i think i was like i don't know it must have been like 13 or 14 and i was doing like some modeling shows on the weekend and then i'd go and do the band camp and i do choir and i would do you know band stuff in school and uh, concert band and i was just the biggest geek the biggest geek but then i would come back from like a hair show and my hair would be like purple <laughs> right <laughs> like multi-dimensional yeah no it's nuts but i did music was always a big driver for me right. right 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 and i was never great at anything but i have a tremendous appreciation for people who do yeah well exactly and i mean i have so my sister's a vocal prodigy i mean she's a Amazing. professional singer mm-hmm. songwriter um her and her husband and you know so i grew up I mean, she came out of the womb singing, and her mm-hmm. voice is like a cross between, and this is no joke, Barbara Streisand and Whitney Houston. Ooh. Oh. Like, that's her fucking voice. Wow. Like, it's incredible. Wow. But then we had uh, friends, you know, like my parents' best friend, their son, um, who's like an older brother to me. Uh, he was a um, pianist, but he was a keyboard. He was a prodigy. I mean, he could play piano, you mm-hmm. know, coming out of the womb, basically. Mm-hmm. And, you know, and there were other examples of people like this, but, you know, what I've observed is that easy, easy come, you know, easy go. Like, Mm -hmm. I mean, you don't appreciate it when you have to fucking work your ass off. You know, I, one of my proudest moments in life was scoring a perfect seven in state competition, playing Hondel Sonata number three and with my alto saxophone. And it was like three movements. I had to like memorize the whole thing, you know, and I stuck the landing. I got like a perfect seven ones and seven categories. Right. I worked my ass off for that. It did not come, you know, easy on any level. I earned my chops, you Mm -hmm. know, playing Mm -hmm. and, you know, Mm -hmm. and I've observed other people whose talents and abilities came, you know, much far easier and quite frankly, they not not my sister. My sister has made a career out of it, but mm. but many folks just squander it, don't appreciate yeah. it. Yeah, I don't know. I it's, think there's something to be said. For, it's tough. You, you have know. to practice. Like I, I don't. I mean, and it's not even like it's not practice. It's an extension of you yeah. at a certain point. Right. You know what I mean? Like that's what's well, honing your craft. Yeah, it really is. It's that sense of like I can do. I can do for. I can go further. I can do better. Yeah. You know, I can keep going. And I don't think you know that definitely 
especially when you're writing, I've watched all of them write, mm -hmm. like they all try and write daily, you know what I mean? Something. Yeah, right. So it's important to even craft and hone that skill and learning how to communicate through prose, basically, you know, mm -hmm. writing. Mm -hmm. It's not easy either. But like, you know, the reason that I was never a great guitarist, French horn, like, you know, I just, I just never had that discipline. Yeah. I'm like, squirrel. <laughs> Bunny. <laughs> yeah. That looks like fun. Ooh, I'll try beach, that. Beach, beach. I mean, I painted. Like when I was getting divorced, I was like, I'm going to learn how to paint. Right, and like, right. I mean, I already knew how to paint. Well, you I'm, have an insatiable curiosity. I just, yeah. I was yeah. like, I just want to touch things and make yeah, it. Yeah, yeah. Right. stuff happen right. you know literally i just love i love even producing videos it's like oh my god we get to bring a storyline that didn't exist before into something that does and it's just like tangible right. and evidence of your work it makes me happy uh, you know i do get a little like mm, I, I don't respond as well when i'm sitting in a room by myself practicing right i'm just not that i'm not that gifted so but it is it's a it's a first to watch someone go through and do that daily, like especially someone like Hamish, where you're like, oh, he's like, I've watched his, you know, he used to vomit before the shows, you know, oh, like he's so, he's, nervous. So, so yeah, nervous. Yeah, I know he's going to hate me for saying that. Sorry, Hamish. <laughs> but like he would get so and sick. And we're not going to edit that out, Hamish. Sorry, you got to live with it. <laughs> he would get so sick. But that's amazing. You get so yeah. sick. I'd be like, where's Hamish? He's in the bathroom. I'm like, what I'd the be... hell is he doing in there? <laughs> Jesus Christ. But you know what? But like, but the, but they say, right? It's like, you got to worry about the people that don't get nervous. Yeah. Right? People yeah. Where they don't she, give a shit. He, he was know? just like, ah, like, and then eventually he's, you know, it gets a little easier. Right. But it's also because like, you know, you once you have more experience doing things it just makes it a lot easier you know but you're right people i think who come in a little too cocky sometimes i'm like mm, i don't know but i am really i mean all of my artists are very they're just naturally talented yeah. too so like you know can't even there's only so much you can do and to, to make them better right you know you know building on this theme about you know the challenges of branding and marketing as an artist and you know building on the idea that you know so much of the value you bring to your artist careers is focused on helping them build their brands and get their stories told so on and so forth. You know, we were at the conference uh, last week, we were talking about this and, you know, I was saying, cause you know, a lot of artists are insecure or, or unsure, you know, about, about what it takes, right. To, to market and sell and whether it's just sort of not being comfortable with the tools or the technologies to do that or not understanding what it really means to have an, a, a clear objective and a defined strategy and how those tactics and tools align with, you know, mm -hmm. helping you, you know, achieve those objectives, you know, in the visual arts, right. You, you, you know, there's a lot of conversation around this stuff as well. And you'll hear people talk about how artists need to go, you know, they have to go network. They have to go to the, the gallery openings. They have to be mm -hmm. out in the mix and be in the scene and so on and so on. You know, and what I say to, Artists, because I mean, a lot of artists hate that shit. Yeah. I mean, they just do, right? And mm -hmm. they want to make art. And, uh, you know, the thing I've said to artists about this is like, like it is perfectly fine for you to be uncomfortable mm -hmm. with these things. Yeah. Right. Okay. You know, familiarity will breed comfort if, you know, if you let mm -hmm. it and you just keep, you know, but the one thing that above all else, the thing that really to me is unacceptable. And I, unfortunately, I find this a lot in the visual art is to be inarticulate about your work. Mm. Okay. Yeah. Because to the extent that you, what you and I know about uh, at its core, marketing and branding is about telling a story. For sure. Right. For sure. And yeah. I have seen so many artists, maybe even musical artists too. I don't know. Maybe not so much, but certainly in the visual art side, clam up and be inarticulate. Yeah. 
when they're yeah. asked about that piece or that body of work or what your yeah. manifesto might be or what have you. And, right. and, and, and at the conference the other day, I was just like, it was, it was a message I kind of kept hammering home. It's like, it's okay for you not to want to go and uh, hobnob with, you know, art snobs at a gallery. But what is not acceptable is for you to be inarticulate about your work when asked. When asked. Mm -hmm. Yeah, mm -hmm. no, I think it's a great point. I mean, so a couple things to unpack in that. One is for sure, you know, as a musician, and I don't get to work often with artists, but like visual artists, but as a musician, they, there's two trains of thought in that. One is the overshare. I'll tell you everything about how I wrote Eggs, this song, right. everything about, you know, everything. Yep. And then the other one is, you know, I want people to figure out what the song means to them. So they take the more reclusive, yeah, right, right. you know, I don't want to share, overshare much, you know, so I've dealt with both types of artists. Yeah. It's a lot easier when someone wants to talk about things, honestly, because it gives you more content and everybody knows content is king. When you're dealing in a situation where people are like, I really don't want to explain that, not because I don't want to tell you why the story, what the story is, mostly because I just want the consumer to have the story that they want in their head when they hear it. You know what I mean? That they mm -hmm. get to that. Sure. So that I respect and, yeah. and have, have certainly had incredible disappointments when I heard like a song and I was like found out later it was, you know, written, a, not, not my artist, but like someone else wrote a song and it was like about a, like a basketball game. And I was like, really? Like, okay, great song. I love the song. Once I heard it was about that, I was like, I don't know. Okay. <laughs> so like, sometimes I think oversharing is a little difficult. Yeah. But articulating who you are yes. and what your message is. Yes. That's really important to be able to do. And I think sometimes people get very shy. Yeah. But there's like, the more media you do, the better it gets. And, you know, I would say there's always going to be people like, you know, the Eric Clapton's who don't really do interviews, you know, and don't really talk a lot about stuff. Like, mm -hmm. you know, those people have made a career of not sharing, you know what I mean? On right. purpose. Right. So there is a, there's a little bit of the reclusive behavior that certainly you know, pe people like to have. Part of the reason why I was so, you know, dogmatic about this idea of being, you know, inarticulate is because, you know, I feel like we talk about the two extremes all the time. We talk about artists who can't articulate or just clam up or can't, or just not comfortable, mm -hmm. right, with the selling. Right. And then, you know, on the other end, you have, we talk about artists who are so good at selling. Yeah. That yeah. maybe their ability to sell, out, you know, it is greater than the their quality of their work. Right. Right. So right. Jeff Koons is a perfect example of that. Right. right. I mean, he's always been an excellent salesman, yes. whether you love his art or not, or think it's crap or whatever. Clearly, his process is controversial and whatever. Yeah. But like the 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 middle ground between those two extremes is just being able to articulate. Right. Why you get up in the morning. Mm-hmm. Right? Yeah, what is the motivation behind what you're doing? There should be no, re in my view, mm -hmm. call me, you know, call me crazy, but I, I don't see that that, that that is too much to ask. I agree. No, I mean, I think at least have a perspective, have a point of view. Yeah. Or be able to explain. If you're like, that is not something I want to discuss with you because I want people to feel like they come to the table and can determine it themselves. That's a point of view. Yep. At least then own that, own it, make it your statement. And also, you know, if someone's going to actually need you to explain something, find a way to give them what they need in the media world, 
so that they stay engaged. Yep. Because you're not Eric Clapton or you're not, you know, Aretha Franklin or what, you know what I mean? Like we right. have to do right. these things to make people, sometimes you have to do it to make people like pay attention more. Mm -hmm. But I do think there is a, there is a, a line, you know, everyone has to de design their comfort zone in communication. Yeah. You know, especially when it's media, because they're not always our friend. Right. You know what I mean? Right. And that's important to know too. What are you giving them that they're going to then eventually take a you know, different life on? You yeah, know what I mean? Right. So that's that piece too. But I think the other part too that you kind of mentioned before, which is that, you know, I, I watch a lot of artists struggle with this. Like I was just talking to a, a young artist last night about this too, where um, she was saying how her friend is really gifted at finding out who the curators are at Spotify and like being at the events that they're going to be at and then beelining over to them. Stalker. And, yeah. And like, <laughs> you know, there are some people who probably really dig that, yeah, you know, right. I've definitely been like, Hey, Jason Bentley. Hi, huge fan, you know, like, right. and now we get to, you know, interact because of our music and taste. And he loved, you know, the song Hamish did with you, which is great. It's like those things, they take time, you know, like mm -hmm. no one's going to be like, Oh, I met this girl. So I'm going to hook her up. It doesn't work like that. Right. And the more forceful you are, the worse it is too. Yeah. But I do think, you know, as an art, as a business person, it's different. As an artist, you know, it can be a little overwhelming if you don't have a barrier between you and the media or you and the DJ. Sometimes DJs certainly do like to have interactions with the artists themselves. Everyone does. That's one thing I found for sure. They yeah. all want to feel like they have a relationship with the artist. That's important. But I think that sense of knowing yourself enough to know how to edit who you are, what you're about as well is important. And that's something that comes with planning and positioning yeah. and branding yeah. and all of those beautiful things that we talked about in the beginning. And then the other part to that is, you know, when an artist isn't very comfortable with going out to some of the parties or whatever, you know, events and things like that, and they don't have to go to everything, but be strategic about it yep. and, you know, and be organic too. I think finding as in the art world or the music world, it's all the same, finding your community right. and building and nurturing and harvesting within your own community is the thing that like really matters because I noticed that when there's these like sort of pockets of culture that happens in either the art world or the music world and they all rise, mm -hmm, you know, like mm -hmm. it happens together. You know what I mean? Like there's people who are building, yes. and if one of them pops, yes. they all kind of go up a level together, right. you know? So that idea of going to a party and having to network is kind of a little antiquated yeah. And I, you know, 100%. I feel like for me, it's more, I've, you know, I think I posted this thing on, like I saw this note on Facebook from 10 years ago where I was in Hotel Cave and saw people who I'm now working with mm -hmm. and that I'm friends with on a lineup from 10 years ago that I didn't even remember seeing, let alone posting about it. Right. And I was like, holy crap, I've been here before. This was my community. I was proud to be, for, you know, going to those shows when we were at Kaiser. I was still at Kaiser then. Yeah. Like. What did I need to be doing with that? I went religiously to see live music. And I do think that's important. Build your community. Make sure that you have people that you're aligned with, you know, and that you're doing shows with or, right. you know, somehow doing something together. So, community is everything in that world, too. Yeah, I remember actually reading an interview with uh, Scooter Braun. Mm -hmm. And Scooter said something really I thought was so smart, which was like, he was saying, you know, I tell my friends all the time, your power structure is your peer group. It isn't, yeah. it isn't the mucky muck uh, friend of your father 
who, yeah. you know, because basically what's going to happen is you're going to take a meeting. They're going to say, oh, yeah, I know a guy. Let me make a call. And then it just goes down a rabbit hole of nothingness, mm-hmm. you know, versus, you know, your peer group, your tribe, your community yeah. that you're getting, you know, that you're talking about. They're the ones that are that are in it with you. Yeah you know, in a real way. Yeah. And they're going to be your best advocates. Absolutely. Absolutely. And that's the thing. It's like everyone, when you talk about like the things like the influencer marketing and all this stuff, it's like, Mm. yeah, it's nice to think that a person who has millions of followers or whatever is going to say something on your behalf. But the reality is, you more effective use of that is when everybody around you is saying something because it's, you know, it's the germ level. It's like you just, it spreads and And it's it's credible and and it's real. It's very honest and authentic. So that piece, like, you know, I mean, I'm always, I tried to help a company a couple of years ago. I was working with a company that we were doing the same thing where, you know, we're like, let's bring all the musicians together. And instead of going to the, you know, go to the brands and say, Hey, why don't we bring in these musicians and let them tell your story? Give right. them the information and we can pay them instead of paying the advertisers. Yep. And it's a great, I think it's a great model for all artists to, you know, even in the art world, like yep. build it out so that you have, you know, the man Juan sitting next to the Jeff Koons, you know, well, you right. know, whoever Jeff Koon is today, you right. know what I mean? Right. Something like that. And I have them build up together, you know, so 100%. that they're in it. And reciprocity, like I think of retina and I think of like, the, like he's he's in a buddy world, you know, Shepard Ferry was they, you know, had him and his wife in there, you know, yep. together and they yep. always had their communities. I mean, it was, everybody well, was- I got a call. So the other day, so an old colleague of mine and this again is gets back to, you know, how important it is to maintain friendships, mm-hmm. you know, that you make coming up really? and whatever. And so Phil and I used to work together years ago and um, Phil is now at 3M mm-hmm. and he called me the other day asking me about this. You know, they want to put like so many brands these days, they want to put artwork on some packaging, you know, mm-hmm. and did I know any artists? And I was like, of course I know artists, you know, like, of course we could do that. But like, that's so like, not the smart play, you right. know? And he's like, what do you mean? You know? And I said, look, 3M ad, I know you guys think of yourselves as a science company, as a, as a R and D kind of company, but there's an argument, argument to be made that 3M is a creative company, mm. right? Mm. And if I were you, I would think about identifying uh, artists mm-hmm. who can be part of the 3M team. Yeah. They become your ambassadors. Yeah. You empower them with, you know, resources and with a platform and with things to help them get their stories out, but that at the same time they're giving you what you need from a content perspective, from an artwork perspective, right. and it becomes a win-win, right. you know. And he hadn't thought of that, you know, yeah. because that's so not, and this, this is your idea, but I'm just saying like, yeah. like he hadn't thought about that because that's so like, it's yeah. a deeper idea. It also takes a lot more work. It takes a lot more work. <laughs> it you know? really is not um, an easy thing. But, you know, but to the extent and that you I'm, can't control it either. That's the other piece too, when you're a brand and you want to think about control. Right. But basically what it is, is it's, it's a, if we were talking about celebrities, we, it would be a celebrity endorsement. Exactly. You know what I mean? Mm-hmm. And, and we're talking about an artist endorsement, but it's pennies on the dollar. Oh, totally agree. Right. And yes, I mean, you can't control. I mean, it's hard. But you it's shouldn't hard thing. want to control it. That was the whole. Yeah, the, well, exactly. It's like if yeah, you're, yeah, yeah, if you're, yeah. if right. you could, and it's not for every brand, but you right. know, I will say like even watching this landscape now, there's, you know, it would be interesting to like when I see a brand actually trying to do something new and innovative, I'm like, good for you. You know, good for you that you're doing right. that. Like, I, I don't, I don't necessarily like know if it's performing because I'm not on the inside. But I'm impressed with the potential halo effect it has, yep. just like music did for Kaiser. Yep. You know, so it's like you always know there's a way to reach a new audience yep. 
by getting out of your own way. 100%. Get out of your own way. Kristen Jewell, my dear friend, it's <laughs> such a pleasure to have you here. It's amazing to be here. Oh my I get gosh. to stare at your face. I was like, this is going to be, I kind of want to take a picture of you. Oh, uh, well, like, we got to get a flip together. This is like together, a yeah. moment I'm going to, I want to remember. <laughs> Look at you. With my uh, headphones. I'm so proud of you. <laughs> So nice to see you again. <laughs> You're so cute. And your wife and your kids. Oh, I'm so happy for Crazy you. Crazy over here. So I have a question for you. Will you come back and do this again? I mean, I would be honored. When you get anytime. back to Australia, maybe. Oh, you and come I'm back sure I'll have really funny stories for that one. Be I've so never been good. to Australia. Neither have I. Oh, it's so random. Oh my I'm like, God. I used to live with a girl from Perth and I've never been to Australia. Oh, I'm but, going to Perth. Oh my God. Yeah. yeah. And I mean, I've managed an Australian for five years. I'm like, yeah, yeah. we'll get there eventually. I just You didn't. know that, that line about from Qantas Airlines it's not that far. It's actually bullshit. It's, it's pretty super fucking far. far. <laughs> I was like, I think it's going to be 29 hours coming back yeah, uh, yeah, from true. Perth. I'm like, this is going to be a nightmare, so but it'll be great. Where can our listeners find you on social? Tell, tell oh. them how to find your artists. Yeah. Well, I would say probably. Oh, so if you go to Spotify and you look up Jewel Concepts, you'll see our okay. artists. You can also find us on Instagram. It's all Jewel Concepts. Jewel so, Concept. That's Jewel. J- J-U-E-L. That's correct. People. J-U-E-L. Yeah. And it, I definitely, um, I'd say, you know, you can check our website out. Obviously, we keep it updated, Facebook and all the usual suspects. But I would just love it if you guys would listen to it. I'm speaking to you, the listeners. Yes, if you, guys you would listen, listen, up. listen She's to, the, to you. Listen to the music because it's really not Put about me. Put your phone me. down and listen. It's not about me, but definitely like check them out because they legitimately are loves of my life, but also incredibly talented people who I'm so grateful to get to help with anything that they want. Yeah. Yeah, another great artist. And as much as I love you, mm. like I wouldn't be as excited about having you on if I actually didn't really enjoy like your them. artist. Yeah. I, know. I mean, there's yeah, real credibility get, there. You can't you can't fake it. They're yeah, yeah. just like they're there. And again, it's not for everybody. It's and I will say, unfortunately, we don't have an electronica stuff and the EDM stuff. So that's probably not a, a big factor of our music. But but you know, Ruby and Jessica are definitely doing some pretty innovative things with their sound. Oh, so cool. yeah, it's it's expanding. It's yeah. expanding. But I'm very proud. So. And not only is it expanding, it's evolving because your tattoo says so. <laughs> yeah, that was a moment I will never forget with Mark Mahoney. Must have, so. must have hurt a little bit. I not know, a, lot a little of, bit. Not a lot of tissue there. A little bit, but it was worth it. Yeah. It was worth it. I will have it for the rest of my life. Well, I'll tell you what else uh, was worth it was having you here today. Thank you for coming all the way out to the birds. I know. For this. I'm like, I know. Where you hip Hollywood types. You know, you don't often get out here to I Encino. refuse to grow up. You're so grown up. I'm like, I don't want to do any of this. <laughs> don't tell anybody, please. You know, you well, know God the real me. I'll never grow up. <laughs> You're great. Yeah, <laughs> don't well, do it. Hey, good luck in Thank Australia. You. Thank you. Thank you. And I Thanks, can't mate. To- yes. Yes. Cheerio. <laughs> Not cheerio. Yeah, he was just going to kill whatever. me on that one, too. Yeah. He'll be like, I disown you. <laughs> well, hey, you know, bring Hamish sometime. Oh, like, let's, yeah. You know, like, that'd, that'd be great. Be great. Yeah, you know? <laughs> he should do, do one. Yeah, have a, <laughs> have a you know, we'll chat. have a post a situation because we come back and we go to buy go to Beale Street Music Festival in Memphis. Mm-hmm. Maybe afterwards we'll have him come and do a little like oh, post album amazing. release thing. Cool. I like I'll it. count on it. I like it. Again, thank you for including me today. You're very welcome, Christian Jewel. Christian Jewel <laughs> Concepts, people. Look it yeah. up. Thanks, Scott. Da- Scott Sourdough Power. Sourdough. Sourdough <laughs> Not Power. real art. Uh, real art coming at you <laughs> over and out. This has been so much fun, Christian Jewel. <laughs> oh, thank you. Over. Same to you. Be well. <laughs> okay, you o- too. Over and out. <laughs>